scripture reading today is from the book of Exodus, the second book in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, can be found on page 68 in your pew Bibles. <clears throat> and bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, and they make that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make. A breastpiece an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkerwork, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and of fine twined linen skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and be of one piece with it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen. You shall make two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. And you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords. And you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Let's pray. So, Father, as we turn to your word now, that is... Uh, for some, the first time on hearing it, and even for those among us who've read it, Lord, it's, it's so foreign, so long ago, so ancient, and yet, Lord, we know that it has everything to do uh, with our worship of you, and it has everything to do with your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and it has everything to do with the work of your Spirit in our lives, in the life of our church, and so, Lord, in all of this, we pray that we would hear from you that you would teach us, instruct us, and may the words that I've prepared for God be used for those suitable ends you have. In Jesus' name, amen. After all of his work overseeing the whole operation of constructing the tabernacle, assuring that every single detail was exactly as God had instructed, imagine Moses' shock when he was unable to enter into the tabernacle. You get to the end of the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verse 35. It says, when, when everything was done, it was finally all put together. 
It says, the glory of the Lord filled the tent of meeting like a, like a cloud, and it was so great when Moses tried to enter, he couldn't. The Lord God allowed only his called ones, his priests, to enter into the tent, the holy place and the holy of holies. T today's passage, and, and in the weeks to come as we're going through chapter 28, describe the garments that the priest would wear. And in particular, our text this morning describes the first garment or clothing that Aaron, the first high priest, and happens to be Moses' brother, was to wear. Now, this was a calling from God. God called Aaron and his descendants, that is, his sons and, and all of his male descendants, to be the priests, the representatives of Israel in worship. The, the other members of, of his tribe would, would minister to the people. They would minister in the courtyard. But only the high priest could enter the holy place on a daily basis to offer the sacrifice. And only the most holy place once a year. Now, as we begin to look at the priest's garments and, and their, their role, it's important to note a little something about our scriptures. We have the, the book of Exodus. Uh, that name is a, a Latin name. And, and then we have, what's the next book called? Leviticus. Uh, it's concerning the Levites. Those were uh, the priests, those responsible for worship. But it also, the book of Leviticus, speaks about how lay Israelites were to come to worship how they were to offer sacrifices, how they, were, they could remain pure, which was a requirement uh, for entering God's presence in worship. The, the, the book of Leviticus, though, is actually a continuation of Exodus. And so in the Hebrew Bible, it would be one and the same. The book of Exodus flows right into Leviticus. The first part of Exodus is God's amazing rescue mission of his people out of Egypt and then they get out and they cross over by God's incredible deliverance of them. And then they receive uh, the Ten Commandments, the law, how they're going to live before God. And then the last part of the book that we're going through, chapters 25 uh, to the end and chapter 40, is the building of this tabernacle that he promises to dwell with them and what that looks like. But then it continues on into the book of Leviticus, which has everything to do with worship. How are they going to dwell in the presence of Almighty God? Because if we know anything about God from the book of Exodus, we know that he is a holy God, glorious, pure, and powerful. And to be in God's presence is dangerous. And so the people need to remember just exactly who it is that they're dwelling with. It's the creator of the universe who has entered the life of this small, insignificant people. And so the book of Leviticus, given just about a month after the, the completion of the tabernacle, it's filled with rituals and purity ceremonies and laws to show how the Israelites can safely live in God's holy presence and worship him. It's a continuation of Exodus because it was the appointment of these special representatives, these priests, that were allowed and given special permission by God to come into his presence on the behalf of the people. And so this week we're looking at just verses 
1 to 14, chapter 28. And there's an image in your bulletin of the high priest, what we would imagine uh, Aaron's garb to look like. And we're going to look at that first item that he's to wear. God calls Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. No one else, only those that are called. And we read this description of this first holy garment. And what does it say? It is for glory and beauty. Whose glory and beauty did this garment symbolize? God's, that's right. It was for the Lord's glory and beauty that it represented and symbolized. The high priest garments were made by, quote, those filled with a spirit of skill, verse 3. So they were much nicer than the clothes that the other priests would wear. They were made with blue and purple and scarlet, fine twine linen and even gold. But more than that, more than these beautiful clothings, it says that they were consecrated, that they were blessed. So that when the, whole, whole, when the high priest clothed himself with these clothings, it would tie him to the tabernacle. The people could see, ah, he represents us before God. So the first item we'll look at is called the ephod, which was a colorful linen gar uh, garment, skillfully woven. It was worn somewhat like overalls. You see the image there in your bulletin. It was suspended by shoulder straps, and on each shoulder uh, was held an onyx stone, and these stones on either shoulder had the names of the 12 tribes of Israel sketched on them. And so the people were gathered by tribes. There were 12 tribes, so each tribe had a name, the sons of Israel, and so there were six listed on one stone etched into the stone, and six written on the other. It's probably smart that the Lord did not, and genius that the Lord didn't command that the high priest be tattooed with those names, because that could get a, a little strange. But no, it was engraved into these stones. And so as the high priest performed his sacred duties, uh, overseeing the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and, and all the rituals, what was he doing? He was carrying, he was literally shouldering the, as a representative of the people, he was shouldering their names into the presence of God. So he would come into the Lord's presence in prayer, and he might have to peek. Oh, yeah, let me pray for them. Got to pray for them, too. He was carrying them into God's presence. Look at verse 12b. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord for remembrance. A memorial before the Lord for remembrance. To remember them. To know who it is that he represents in God's holy presence. Aaron was the first representative of the whole nation. And he bore on his shoulders the names of all the people. He was doing his work on their behalf, on the behalf of the people, serving as an intercessor between a holy creator and his sinful people. We think of Moses and his leadership and those that he called to serve, and there was leadership and there were decisions to be made, and what are we going to do here and there? But all along, there was also the work of the priests and of Aaron 
At the same time, Aaron represented God to the people. And we'll talk more about that representation in the coming week. But let's go back to these main two points I want to pull out of these first verses we've looked at. Number one, that Aaron and his sons were called. They were called by God. And by extension, all leaders in the church are called by God, but they must remain faithful to that high calling. That's number one. They're all called, and they must remain faithful to the high calling of God. And number two, about this ephod, this shoulder strap, the ephod shoulder stones engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel Remind me that those called to ministry are to shoulder the concerns of the people of God into God's presence primarily through prayer. And that that ministry continues today. And no, Nielsville, I'm not going to get you your name tattooed on my shoulders either. Well, we can talk about that some other time. But those are the two main things I want to speak about this morning. The sense of calling... And the high calling that God places on, on those whom he appoints. And that uh, such a significant aspect of that calling is the call to pray and to intercede. These priests were called by God. And, and they were entrusted. They were given special clothing to set them apart. But dress an ungodly man or woman and, and put him or her in leader's clothing without a calling from God or give him or her leadership credentials without a heart for God, without a heart for God's people, without reliance on God's word, then you might as well put lipstick on a pig. The damage done by leaders unworthy of their vestments is legendary. We see that throughout the pages of Scripture. And you know where it all started? With the first priest. Aaron and his descendants didn't do such a great job. Aaron, you might note in chapter 32 of Exodus, made a golden calf. Do you know this story? While Moses was up there on the mountain getting the instructions for the tabernacle, Aaron, influenced by the people's demands for something to hold on to to worship, gathers up their gold, and creates a golden little cow for the people to worship. So right out of the gate, the high priest is a disaster. And then we read about his sons, uh, uh, Nadab and Abihu. They, they came along after him. They were trained. They watched their dad. They, they learned from him and his mistakes. And he, he definitely asked for God's forgiveness. But it says in Leviticus chapter 10, remember this is a continuation of Exodus, it says that his two sons offered strange fire on God's altar. They, they changed the worship. And whatever the mix-up was, what they put into that incense censer was so strange and so foreign that they were destroyed because of it. Eli failed to discipline his sons. So imagine Eli raising his sons, but not raising them rightly to fear and honor the Lord God. 1 Samuel chapter 2 says these, these, two, these young men, his sons, were worthless. They did such a terrible job. 1 Samuel chapter 2, two says that they were struck down. 
page after page of scripture speaks to the priesthood not holding up the great high calling that God has placed upon them. So the problem of the priesthood, despite the beautiful clothing, despite the traditions, despite the teaching, couldn't cover the sin of their hearts and their idolatry, their compromise, and their capitulation. And eventually, it's the priesthood that was broken altogether. And the people fell under God's judgment. You can read about that throughout many of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. There was none worthy to wear the ephod, to shoulder, to carry the names of the people into God's presence as their representative. I stand before you as a humble servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called by the Lord to serve as a minister of word and sacrament. This calling was confirmed long ago, but it's a calling that the Lord placed on my life to serve him and to be your pastor has been a great honor in my life these past, we're into our seventh year together. The calling the Lord calls on me is to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, to explain the scriptures, to lead us in worship, to to teach us through discipleship of learning how to follow Jesus, to come alongside of you in the greatest moments of joy and celebration and also the moments of heartache and loss and to hold people's hands in the ICU, to be there when someone breathes their last and to honor their memory as we say farewell. And my calling is to, to help uh, shepherd our congregation as an under-shepherd with a great high shepherd who oversees everything that we do and to do it to the best of my ability. But from beginning to end, in every moment throughout all of ministry, a lesson I need to learn over and over and even right now, even today, wondering what your reaction would be to these things, to all the things with the survey, is to pray, to learn to pray for you. Intercession, seeking God's help for others, is not a ministry done from a place of strength. It's not a ministry done from a, a place of, I have all of the answers. But it's always a desperate sinner praying for a, de a fellow desperate sinner. That's intercessory prayer in order to shoulder the concerns of our people into God's presence, I'm very aware of my limitations. But by the calling of the Lord God, I stand before you, a sinner saved by grace. And I know that it's not anything I've done, but it's been what he has done for us that I can stand. Because Scripture says, I don't need fancy clothing. Nor do you. But in Christ, by putting faith in Christ, in trusting in Jesus, the Bible says that I have been clothed in his righteousness. And he has put his garments on me. And then all those who are called to serve. And so I want to share with you how thankful I am today for our great high priest, 
Jesus Christ. It's an amazing truth that Jesus in all of his glory, exalted in heaven, is still interceding on our behalf. He is the great high priest who shoulders for us and carries us into his Father's presence. Isaiah 49 verse 16 reminds us our names, your name is engraven on his hands. He carries you even now. Jesus didn't go to heaven after his earthly ministry and, and, and take a break, but his role as the eternal shepherd to protect, to care, to guide his people continues even today, even now. Clearly, Jesus is still active in his ministry. I know that because I'm standing here, but by the grace of God, he is f- the fulfillment of, of the priesthood. There's no need for any more priests because he is our great high priest. Let me read this verse to you. Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he is always, he always lives to make intercession for them. What does that mean? It means Jesus saves forever. And since he lives, he lives to intercede on your behalf and mine. In in other words, he carries us. He shoulders us. He is with us, interceding for us forever. And this means that our salvation is secure as Christ's priesthood is indestructible. Now, if prayer is so important... And if we can trust in his leadership above all else, what does he pray? What is he praying for us right now? Even now, in the midst of our worship service, what is the Lord Jesus praying for? Well, a good place to look would be John chapter 17. And we'll end there. Turn to John chapter 17. You can find that on page 903. What does Jesus pray for? John chapter 17 is called... Uh, the, the, let's see, where, where is it? John 17. The high priestly prayer. This is the eve of Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, his death. What is he praying for in John chapter 17? Interceding on our behalf before the Father. Well, first he says in verse 15 that we may be kept from sin. Quote, I pray that you keep them from the evil one. What a comfort it is to know that Jesus is interceding on our behalf that we would be kept from the evil one. It would cause us to trip and stumble and sin. Do you know there's only one tool the devil has in his toolbox and it's called a wedge. That's what he wants to do. is put a wedge between God's people. And so Jesus prays even now that you would keep them, Father, from the evil one, from the evil one's schemes, from being infected by the evil one of this time. Second, he prays for our progress in holiness, for, for our growth in becoming more and more like him. Verse 17, it says, sanctify them. What an amazing comfort and promise that the Holy Spirit is at work in us now to supply All of our need. You say, well, I have so many needs. But what is it that you truly need? The Spirit has 
in abundance. Verse 17, he prays that you would sanctify them, Father, that you would do that good work in them, in you and me. So let me ask you the question. Are you growing more and more in holiness, drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord or further away? Third, he prays for our glorification. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You know what that means? It means before the foundation of the world, before the world was created, he knew you. He knew you would be here. And he wants you to be where he is, with the Father. Even as Moses wasn't allowed in, why? Because he wasn't called. You have been called. And you have been enabled by the grace of Jesus Christ to come into his presence. What a comfort it is. When Satan is tempting, Christ is praying. This is his work on your behalf and on mine. And so let's turn to the Lord in prayer. I invite you to turn... Close your eyes and, and be in an attitude of prayer. And know this is not just a, a quick prayer so the praise team can get in position for a, a final song or two. This is time for us to ask for the Lord to intercede. And so join me, please, in a time of prayer. Lord God, we enter into your presence now. And Lord God, we, we want to just think of these words from your uh, servant Paul in the book of Colossians. Listen to these words from Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Oh, Lord God, we claim these words today for Nielsville. Lord God, that you have called us by name, and purely by your grace, we are clothed in these new clothes of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, Lord. And where there is not these beautiful gifts of your Spirit, evident in our lives, not just on our shoulders, but in our hearts. God, take that away from us, for we know that comes from a, a dark place and not from you. Bring us together, Lord, and shine your light of truth in the midst of confusion, the midst of oversimplification and, and, and people's confusion of finding a camp to believe in one way or another in this world. That's not the way your church is to work, but we're to come together as a family of faith. We claim, Lord, these words of verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. But the message of Christ dwell among us richly as we teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratefulness in our hearts, gratitude in our hearts. And Lord God, whatever we do, whether in word or in deed, Lord God, may we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
Amen. As we continue our time of